Hey, and welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. We are a church that is for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. We are passionate about helping people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. So if you're just joining us for the first time, we would love for you to check out our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. There you can find ways to connect with us and see what's happening at Crosspoint. Now, let's listen to this week's Sunday message. take a moment to pray. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for how you have provided. And Lord, we are so thankful that um, we have had opportunity in so many ways to touch our community and we want to continue to be effective for you. And so we pray that you would give us wisdom to know how to uh, live in these times of restraint, but also Lord, have expectation of your leading us and your guiding us. And you're preparing the way before us for all that you want us to do. We thank you for this morning and the word that we're going to take a look at this morning. We thank you that it's living. It's an active word. has the ability to touch our lives and shape us. And so, Lord, I pray you'd prepare our hearts to hear you speak to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we started this series a couple weeks ago, and uh, Brenda and I were away on holidays, and uh, we had opportunity to follow up each Sunday by listening to the service and so on, and I have to say that <clears throat> following Amanda and Delaney is a little intimidating. <clears throat> I'm nowhere near as funny as they are, and I certainly have some limits in terms of how I communicate. Uh, they, however, uh, did an excellent job. And I don't know if you remember back when Amanda started, she gave a great background to the book of 1 Peter, and that's where we're at. So if you have Bibles, you can turn to 1 Peter. And uh, she gave us a great background on it, and then she took us through those first few verses. And you need to know that those first few verses are chock full of information. Let me just give you the key words that she picked up on. God's chosen people. So he knew who you were. He chose you. He made you holy. And he cleansed you from all sin. Those are all things she talked about. She actually slid a little theology in there. and She made reference to the uh, Trinitarian nature of the last verse that she was looking at. You can take a look at it there. And then we went on last week and Delaney... Uh, started off by talking or admitting that it was difficult to live as a Christian. Do you really want to do that? And she sort of worked you into that, didn't she? And she talked about this amazing inheritance that we have. We live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance, verse 4. And then she went on to talk about the wonderful joy that's ahead of us, the hope that we have. And she expanded on that. And I got to say, as I was listening to them, I just, I knew what my passage was going to be. And my passage is this one that has this phrase in it, be holy, even as I am holy. Question for you. Do you have any expectation of being holy? Do you have any hope of being holy? What does that look like? So the verse that uh, is up on the screen there, 
is the beginning of the passage I want to look at this morning, verse 13 of chapter 1. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus is revealed to the world. Delaney's passage was about hope. She talked about that hope, that future expectation that we have. And it says, put your hope in the gracious salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. And then it goes on to talk about be holy, even as I am holy. What a leap. Our hope is in that salvation. And then we're asked to do the impossible. Let's take a look at the next verses, 14, 15, and 16. Verse 14 goes like this. By the way, the verses that are on the screen are from the New Living Translation, which I hold in my hand. Just go back a slide for a moment. I want to just pick up something here. You need to know that our translations are living, changing translations. So you notice up there, this one, it says, so prepare your minds for action. This is the New Living Translation, my copy of it. It says, so think clearly and exercise self-control. A little different, isn't it? You need to realize that this modern day and age, scholars are continuing to look at the scriptures and trying to capture the best interpretation of them, the original language. And so this word... If you hear me read it and you go, it's a little different than what my Bible says. Well, it could be different just simply because it's a different translation, but it could be different just simply because somebody is continuing to work on trying to make it as clear as possible. So verse 14. There it is. So you must live with God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says, you must be holy because I am holy. And so herein is the main idea. We are to be holy because God is holy. Modern technology, it sometimes is so slow, can't keep up. You must be holy because I am holy. So what does this word holy actually mean? You have ideas, don't you? It's one of the reasons why I saw a number of you when I asked, do you ever contemplate being holy? And I saw a number of you shaking your head no, because you had a specific idea of what holiness means. It has actually three specific areas that it focuses on holiness. First of all, there's only one person who is holy, and that is God. God is holy. And when we talk about God being holy, it's characterized in three ways. Holiness has to do with the fact that he is totally different than anyone else. There's no one else like him. He is the only one that is completely holy. In other words, there's a separation. He is different than us. The second thing is, is that he is pure and without sin. 
And the third idea of holiness is an idea of being fully committed. Fully committed to God or to the gospel. He's fully engaged in his purposes and intentions. So when we talk about you should be holy even as I am holy, what is God asking of us? Well, he's asking of us those same three things. Little different translation, but here they are. When God calls us to be holy, he's calling us to be separate from this world. Different. To stand out. And this is a growing issue for the church. It is easy, isn't it, to come alongside and be like the people around you because you do not want to stand out. You want to be able to come alongside them and know them and be known. But how is he asking us to be different? How is it he is asking us to be separate from the world around us? And that separation is the critical part. That is the part that makes us distinctive. And it really is about being in the family, being in God's purposes, being a part of his nation, his world, the kingdom of God. If you read a little further into chapter 2, next Sunday we will be taking a look at that distinctiveness and how we are separate. But this is the first step. We live our lives differently than the world around us. And this is one of the reasons why when we get farther into this message, we're going to talk about how the Bible sets examples, gives us guidance, shows us the way we are to walk, how we are to live. It sets the standard of what it means to be in the kingdom of God. The second thing is he calls us to be whole and pure. And this is a reality that is an ongoing reality for followers of Christ. I remember growing up, there's this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that says, anyone who is in Christ is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Do you remember familiar with that verse? Okay, that was the King James. It might have sounded different for the younger ears. But the reality is, is that that verse implied that when you became a follower of Christ, all things became new. And I can remember people that I respected saying, Don't worry, you're a whole new creature. Just go and live your life following Jesus. And that's all they gave me. Well, we know that that statement, when we become a follower of Christ, all things become new, is not an instantaneous like this. It is something that we need to grow into. When God calls us to be holy, he is calling us to work out our salvation. He is calling us to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. It's another verse that we'll come, on, come to in the next couple of days or weeks. But the reality is, is that he is inviting us to be shaped and molded by the presence of the Holy Spirit guiding us step by step into the fullness of what it means to be followers of Jesus. Share a little story from my early 30s. I was grappling with an area of my life that was difficult. And it had to do with uh, being lazy. And so I was praying about it, and I was involved with a ministry that was about inner healing, about reshaping our thinking, dealing with the strongholds in our lives. And so I went praying about it, 
And I said, Lord, I need to understand where this comes from in my life. And so I'm praying, and God gave me a picture of myself when I was young. I was working for, with my dad. My dad was a grain buyer. And as a 12-year-old kid, I was going up and helping him at the elevator. And part of that helping was sweeping up the dust from the grain. Some of you who have agricultural backgrounds know what that means. And I'm sweeping up the dust and so on. And one day, I'm a typical kid, 12 years old. I'm sweeping up. I get tired of sweeping. So I set the broom up and I lean against it. And I'm standing there <coughs> contemplating whatever. And my dad walks through and he sees me. He says, get going, you lazy bum. Pretty casual, eh? That stuck with me. That simple statement of my dad all of a sudden stamped me with a belief about myself. And so as a 30-some-year-old, I'm still grappling with this area of my life, and I'm praying, and God brings that memory back. And as I'm remembering it, I go, oh, I believe something that my dad had told me, <clears throat> and it isn't necessarily true. So I prayed about it. And I asked the Lord to start tearing down that stronghold in my life. <clears throat> I voiced a statement of forgiveness to my dad for making that kind of statement. And then I went forward with my life. <clears throat> Probably about a year later, I'm traveling with my dad. We're going on a little bit of a trip together. And I thought, I'm going to ask my dad about that memory. So I asked him. I said, <clears throat> tell me, Dad. I told the memory to him. I says, do you remember it? And he says, no, I don't remember that. He says, what I do remember is how proud I was of how hard you worked. You see, <clears throat> the enemy of our soul can take one simple little phrase that is not necessarily true, but if we're willing to embrace it or accept it as the truth, it reshapes the way we think. And when God calls us to be whole and pure, Part of the wholeness is dealing with those unresolved lies or those strongholds in our lives that, in a sense, dictate the way we live. The pure part's a little easier, right? You know what's right and wrong. Somebody cuts you off as you're driving, and the temptation is to yell, honk your horn, shake your fist, whatever, and you have this voice inside you saying, pray for them. That's another part of it, right? But being holy is an ongoing process. <clears throat> it's not a once and ever. Thank you, sir. I am recovering, not from alcohol. <clears throat> uh, from COVID. It's another, another one of those afflictions. But uh, Brenda and I, on our holidays, when we got back from our holiday... <clears throat> Our friend that we were traveling with, she sent us a text, and she says, I have COVID, you better test. So I tested right away, and sure enough, I had COVID. <clears throat> so I'm about eight to ten days past, so <clears throat> that's fine, but it still is lingering in terms of this Flemish thing. So That's not right either, is it? <laughs> Sorry, any of you that have Flemish backgrounds. <clears throat> But the third area of holiness, it's not just about being separate from the world. It's not just about being whole and pure. <clears throat> but it's being set aside, committed to this idea of the gospel. 
You see, this is what the Great Commission is about, right? All authority has been given me, heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. That's what it's about. And that's what God calls us to. So if we're going to be followers of Jesus, <clears throat> we're going to be engaged with him, knowing him, him knowing us, then there is this call to holiness, to separating ourselves from the world. Not in a way that puts us so distant that we are unable to share our lives and love them and care for them and show them the difference. But in a way that makes us distinctive. In a way that, in a sense, puts our lives on view for the world to see. And then this whole thing of continuing to be transparent about our lives, allowing the Spirit of God to shape us and mold us, to deal with those hidden things in our lives that have shaped us and controlled us and saying, no, I want to have freedom. I got to say this morning, Carly, thank you for the words, the songs that you chose. Over this last couple of days, Brenda and I have been talking about a variety of things. And one of those things has been the fact that we don't see a lot of miracles happening recently. We see less of the power of God being demonstrated. But that's part of what God wants to work in us. The songs that we sang really pointed us to the fact that God wants to do more. This morning when we came in, the scripture verses that were read in the prayer time before the service were about being in a place in relationship with God that you had confidence that when you prayed, he would actually show up and do something. That's what's being whole. That's what's being fully committed to the gospel. That's what's allowing God's space to do what he needs to do to make us stand out in this world. What do you think made the disciples stand out? You have this guy, Peter. He's walking along, going up to the temple to pray and worship. There's some guy begging for alms. Peter sees him, and I'm not sure what happened. My suspicion is, is God, Peter looked at him, and he had this still, small voice inside saying, you have to pray for him. Because you see, Jesus, just in the last year, probably had walked past that guy a couple times, and Jesus hadn't healed him. It's Peter's turn to step into the promises of God, to step into the purposes of God, to, in a sense, join God on his mission. And he looks at him, and he senses God saying, pray for him. He goes, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I will give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. This is what holiness looks like. It's being fully committed to the gospel, to what Jesus has said is going to happen. And so I encourage you to think about holiness. Yes, I'll take one of those. Thank you. Boy, I'm really... So verse 17. And remember that the Heavenly Father, to whom you pray, has no favorites. This is for all of us. He will judge and reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time as foreigners in the land. 
I got to tell you, this verse was a little bit confusing for me. Until I started thinking about Peter, the guy writing this, and I thought, what does reverent fear mean for Peter? Do you remember who Peter was? He was a disciple. He was one of the guys that interacted with Jesus. But he was the guy that got stuck his foot in his mouth a few times. Okay, the, most of you are introverts, so you maybe can't identify with this guy. But some of us can because we sometimes speak out of turn. Now you just asked Brenda about sometimes when I preach. She gives me the look from down there trying to stop me. She knows where I'm going and it's too late. <laughs> but let's just review a couple things about Peter's life. Jesus asked this important question, who do you think I am? He said to his disciples, Peter stands up and he declares, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, Peter, you nailed it. And then Peter, Jesus goes on to talk about the fact that he is going to have to sacrifice, his life is going to be sacrificed. And Peter goes, hold on, Lord, that can't happen to you. Get thee behind me, Satan. Oh, it wasn't just one time. It happened another time. They're up there on Mount of Transfiguration. There's Jesus, Peter, James, and John. The three of them are there. <clears throat> All of a sudden, Moses and Elijah show up. They're having a conversation. Peter doesn't know what to do with himself. He's just watching. And all of a sudden, he goes, God, this, or Jesus, this is so special. Let's make some special monument to acknowledge this moment. It isn't Jesus that rebukes him this time. It's the Heavenly Father himself. All of a sudden, the clouds darken. This is my son. Peter's rebuked. Oh, do you think that's all? <clears throat> no, no, no. Peter goes farther. The night he's, Jesus is betrayed, they're in the garden. The rabble comes to arrest Jesus. Jesus steps forward, declares who he is. You're here for me. Peter happened to bring a sword along. Who knows why? And he takes that sword out and he lops off the guy's ear. Jesus takes and quietly rebukes him, takes the ear and heals him, heals the guy. Oh, it even goes farther than that, right? This is what's going to happen, Jesus says. Everyone's going to leave me. I will never leave you, sounds Peter. Oh, no. <clears throat> Before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. You see, Peter understood the correction of the Lord. Have you? That's what reverend fear is. That awareness that God could step in and speak to you, to challenge you. And so as we live our lives, there's a sober second thought before we jump in. Okay, and you introverts, most of you are well practiced at sober second thought. But I can guarantee you, your kids have caused you to say things you didn't want to say. Or your colleague or your spouse. The reality is that we need to approach things with reverent fear as we serve him, as we live our lives. This next part, starting at verse 18, is that actually big enough for you to read? 
We had a conversation at home. Brenda looked at it on my phone. You should see how small it is on my phone. I'll give you a bit of a clue. It's that size. I says, no, no, it's going to be bigger on the screen. Don't worry about it. This is for those of you who are followers of Jesus. I have personalized this. I think it might say edited at the bottom. There it does, but I've actually personalized it. In other words, I've changed the U's from your scriptures to the I's. And I want you to read along with me. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this will give you a bit of an idea of how the followers of Jesus see their relationship with God. But this is verses 18 through 25, personalized, for you, those of us who are followers of Jesus. For I know that God paid a ransom to save me from the empty life I inherited from my ancestors. It was not paid with mere gold or silver, which loses its value. It was the precious blood of Jesus, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as my ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for my sake. Through Christ, I have come to trust in God. And I have placed my faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. I was cleansed from my sins when I obeyed the truth. So now I must show sincere love to others as a sibling. I must love others deeply with all my heart. For I have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. My new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. And that word is the good news that was preached to me. Amen. Does that convey your heart? Does that give you a reason to want to be holy? To please God? To allow him to work in you? You see, one of the things about being holy taking these steps to separate yourself from the world, to allow the Spirit of God to shape you and mold you into His likeness, to be fully committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be concerned about the people around you, the community around you, the people who you rub shoulders with, wherever it is, to have an awareness that the heart of God is reaching out and longing for them. To put yourself in that place, is to put yourself in a place where God can actually use you. He can move in you. He can reach out beyond you to touch lives in ways that you cannot imagine. One of the verses that was shared this morning was from John chapter 12. Don't make that chapter 14. John 14, starting at verse 12. It's the verse that goes something like this. You've seen the great things I have done? Greater things will you do. How can we do greater things than Jesus? I can tell you how. Because when we become holy, he is present in us. And it isn't just us doing it. It's him working in us. 
Because the verse goes on to say, so you can ask whatever you will according to my name, and I will do it. I will do it. Jesus will do it. But it requires us to be holy. Not in the sense of like God is so other that no one can touch him. So pure that we can't imagine him. So committed and consecrated to doing what is right that we can't ever measure up. But to the extent that we are willing to allow the Spirit of God to be alive in us and shaping us and molding us, that's what opens the door for the Spirit to work in us and through us for the kingdom in powerful ways. The last verses I want to take a look at are from chapter 2. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all kinds of speech. And then like newborn babes, do you get this one? You must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. You see, at the end of chapter 1, it talks about that, the fact that the word of God remains forever. And that word is the good news that is preached to you. It is the new life. And it comes from the eternal living word of God. There are two words of God in Scripture. There is the living word of God, which is Jesus Christ. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. That's Jesus. And he came and he dwelt among us. And we can behold him because the Bible has told us about him. And this is the second Word of God, Scriptures. And we need to seriously desire to know both of them. This is foundational for us because it's Black and white, you can touch it, doesn't change. Oh yeah, translations change. But read the various translations to get the full meaning of something. But this reveals the heart of God for us. This reveals the intention of God towards us and through us for the world. This reveals who Jesus Christ is. And Jesus Christ reveals the Father. So you need to know this. Study it. That's why cell groups are a good place to go. Having a group of people talking about the Bible, understanding it. You heard the two ladies up here speaking about it. <clears throat> what did they talk about? The fact that something that I've read a hundred times before, someone else shares something and I get a whole new insight into it. That's the beauty of a small group. That's the beauty of community, belonging. It shapes us. And it helps us understand who Jesus is. So Ephesians chapter 3, where it talks about, you will come to understand the height, the depth, the breadth, the love of God, together with all the saints. It's not a personal, individual thing. It's something that happens in the community of faith. And knowing the living word of God, whether it be this word, which is black and white, but if you allow it to shape, it becomes living as it allows you to shape you, you allow it to shape you, it becomes a living word. God speaks through it to awaken in us how we're supposed to be. 
And through it, we come to understand who Jesus is and experience him. And so this morning, I want to encourage you to pursue understanding Jesus, the word of God. Because through these things, Jesus and the written word, holiness can start to work in you, shaping you, molding you into such a way that the promises of God answering our prayers in powerful ways becomes a reality, an expectation in our day-to-day lives. So, Lord Jesus, we want to thank you and praise you for today. We thank you that you are present in all of your holiness. You are present to touch us. I thank you, Lord, for those first verses of 1 Peter where, he, where you knew us, you chose us, and you cleansed us. I thank you, Lord, that you have given us a living hope. And I pray, Lord, that we would allow that to be shaping us so that, Lord, we would be faithful and true followers of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, and welcome back. Thanks for listening to this Sunday's message. We hope that we've helped you in your spiritual journey and that you're drawing closer to God. At Crosspoint, we gather on Sundays at 10 a.m. in Northeast Edmonton and throughout the week in something we love to call home groups. Home groups are encouraging and transformational communities for people just like you. We believe that the journey of faith is done together. So we hope that you'll connect with us at thecrosspointchurch.ca. Now, let me remind you of who you are. You are the people of God, called by God into his redemptive mission in the world. So be who you are.